When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. Today, we're taking a little break from our cruel summer and adding a very special guest to celebrate Jackie's birthday. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> Hello, Katie Boyer. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are so thrilled to have you here tonight to celebrate Jackie's birthday episode. And Jackie, what episode are we doing tonight? So tonight for this year's birthday extravaganza, we are going all the way back to 1992 for the OG Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. And before we dive in, Katie, I just wanted to take a few minutes just to check in with you because I know you're always up over there, turned the cauldron, brewing us some delicious treats. What you got going on right now? Yeah, well, right now it's kind of just a summer of retros writing, things like that. Screenwriters nice. is on a break, um, working on a novel project, actually four short novellas. Um, Looking forward to seeing how that turns out. But I think that I had to take a break from all of that because this just sounded way too toasty to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and summer's a good time to take a little break, I think, personally, from, from all the uh from all the stuff. <laughs> and it's honestly, if I'm being completely upfront, it's my least horror season. Like it's I, pound for pound, I tend to gravitate towards horror the least in the summer. And I think it's just the overall vibe of summer for me. I don't know if anybody else. It's pre-fall. There's a lot going on there. You know, it's, you've got kids, so you've got a ton That's of activities true. and yeah. it's summer, summer is, it's going to be the, the least likely time for you to just be like sitting down and watching movies because you're mm -hmm. a very, your whole family, you guys are very like activity driven, go, go, go. So yeah, like I, it makes sense that like, this is really not the time where you're just sitting back and chilling. Yeah, yeah. To, like watch what you want. Wow, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And then I think I get so hyped up for fall that like it's it's almost like by August 15th, I'm like, all right, time for horror movies again. <laughs> like I'm like over it and ready to dive back in. Get me my black robe and yeah. I mean, well, other I mean, magical I, things. You know, that way behind, am I going to Hogwarts? <laughs> It is, it is, we're recording this on July 5th. And then, and as everybody knows, July 5th is the official start of spooky season. So it really I'm is. Ready. Yes. I'm ready. July 5th? Oh yes. my God. No, I can't accept that. As, as yeah. next, <laughs> next big holiday is Halloween. It's July 4th. That's and then we're putting on yeah. the black cats and the pumpkins and totally. watermelons carved into pumpkins. Jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> my goodness. Listen, don't get me wrong. I have no love lost for the 4th of July, but- I'm yeah okay I'll, I can accept that this is the beginning of spooky season another week or so yeah. I'll be ready um yeah, honestly I like, like summer too much I, I go I will enjoy summer and then the moment my birthday hits 
the day it? after my birthday, I am like, fuck the rest of the summer. Wow. It needs to be October 1st. I don't even want September. That's after July 22nd, it just needs to it's, be October 1st immediately. It's pre-pre-October, pre-October, and then October. <laughs> and then the artist formerly known as October. Yeah. Um, exactly. No, and I gotta say, <laughs> August is generally the time when the when the spirit Halloweens are gonna start to pop up. True. There is already some spooky decor in, uh, I think at home has some, and I think Michael's might have like a well, couple little right. like end caps of, of spooky stuff is coming mm. out. So yeah. See, August it's is tough starting. for me. I like to think of August as the Sunday of the year, because for, for teachers and for people like me who, who get time off, August is just one big, like September's coming. It's going to be here. It's like, it's like literally one month worth of Sundays. Um, well, if you get the Sunday scaries, which I do, that free Monday feel. So scaries, yeah. August, October, yeah. spooky. Yeah. I mean, you're falling into it. Yeah. I am. I am. I think by August, I'm ready to join in with you guys. Yeah, but usually there by August, go. I'm secretly buying Halloween decorations. My husband also makes fun of me because I try to decorate for fall by like September 1st. Because in my head, once we go back to school, it's fall. I don't yeah. give a shit what the calendar yeah. says. I don't give a shit what, you know, the, the Christians tell me. I, it is fall. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's dive in here because you two are by far the gurus in my head of the Buffy uh, mythology and storylines and all that good stuff. Because uh-huh. you guys are- it is called the Buffyverse. Yeah. Oh, um, oh God, I'm yeah. so sorry. What are you doing? <laughs> Excuse me, maybe even episode number five in volume three, they decided to officially call it the Buffyverse. I'm so sorry. How dare I? Relax <laughs> Although, over there, all right? To, to be fair, yeah. uh, it, has been, it has been stated on more than one occasion, this movie really is not canon. This, this, there's like, when you- Bull- I, mean, I you- call bullshit on that. So I have, I Why? have the caveat you, You've here. never even watched the whole series. What, no, what, I have not. What no. basis do you have? Because the director is the executive producer of the show. I think she Wait, deserves- No, no, no. But what I'm saying is like the storyline in this movie- Oh yeah, America Is not exist. canon. Yeah. I mean, she's, Buffy is a senior in this movie. Yes. That's true. That's true. I just want to say, like, the, the way I feel about it is, you know, Whedon does not consider the movie canon to the television show. Right. He, a lot of changes were made. He, he notoriously walked off of the set because he wasn't happy with the direction that 20th Century Fox was going. But due to recent events, I think we should consider it canon just to make him mad. <laughs> we can do yes, that. please. We can do that. <laughs> well, can we just uh, do a blanket fuck Joss Whedon just to make sure I get on record as saying that that mother. I mean, mother. really, I, I think he is a very brilliant <laughs> writer. I think he's got a lot of great ideas in his head. Oh, I also fuck. think he is a walking wiener. Like he's just, my, you know, like and you know my guy. rule. I don't give a fuck what fucking brilliant ideas he's got. Nobody should be giving him a seat at the table. Nobody should be giving him money. He should not be allowed to, to fucking put his art out there. Because we all know what a dick he is, so he could go suck a big fat one. There's plenty of talented, brilliant fucking writers out there who aren't complete fucking creeps and dickwads. So to me, as long I will never support new Joss Whedon stuff, even if it means sacrificing my beloved, some of my really beloved shit, Cannon. Um, so uh, even with that, Joss- the episode is over. <laughs> and fuck you. No, it's fine, because this shit, keep, well, this, this was made before we knew right i mean yeah. so buffy well the movie had nothing to do with him but <laughs> we didn't um, know well, he, he created it he sold yeah. it to dolly parton sand dollar he Yay. had a very different vision for what it would be and uh you know fran and uh her husband came along and they changed yeah. it with 20th century fox's input and yeah, yeah it was funnier and you know lighter and funny. everything so it's not really like his 
Um, but as an uber fan of the television series, as well as the movie, you don't mm. have to pick one of the other fans out there. Mm. I just have to say, I, I can separate the art from the artist on this one. Cause yeah. I think there are a lot of wonderful writers on the show. I think there's fantastic people who took over the show running, especially in the later seasons. And I think that their work and as well as the artists who like the actors and actresses and everyone who contributed to the project, we, I don't want to diminish anything that they have done movie or TV show because of the recent things that we found out about him. A hundred percent. And I don't think we yeah. go back and we like pretend shit didn't exist. I think that's yeah. the stupid part of all this council culture, you know? Like, I don't want him making any money now, but I have no problem with talking about all of the art he's created thus far. You know, like once, you know, once it's official, like now I'd be pissed if he was getting his own TV show, but I have no problem with you. I think it's important to recognize what a great show and what a great whole thing it was. If, uh, like, like we're saying that, you know, the movie is, you know, he considers it not canon. I mean, there is, there's a lot of inconsistencies. It's it's, it's yeah. easy to be like, you know, you take the general idea from Buffy the movie and put it into a TV show. The comic book, uh, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Origin. Uh, that mm. is basically Whedon's original script in comic book form. When did um, that come out? Uh, it came out after ago. the after the yeah. series. It's actually written by Dan Brereton and Christopher Golden. So oh, yeah. they adapted okay. it from his script. So There was a lot after it. Buffy the TV show ended. Like yeah. the boom in the comics continued a lot of the story from mm. like, we basically got season eight, season nine of the show in the comic book form. Um, I have not read Buffy Origins. I was looking at it. So if you've read Origin. I have not read Origin because okay. it is just a rehash. Well, you know, I like the movie. Right. Well, I, like I said, the, the, the stuff that I saw online, people reviewing it, um, they said that like, it's okay. Like if you're a super fan and you want to, you know, see what the original thoughts were, like read it. But they said that it's kind of like pretty pictures, a little male gazy and an okay story. So I'm Ooh. like, you know what? Um, that's something like it's like if my library has it, I'll check it out. I don't know that I'd be buying that though. Which I, I would imagine as fans of the show, you guys would be very kind of upset by the idea of male gaze because that's actually one of my big differences in my head, at least from the very limited understanding I have of the show, is that the movie definitely falls a, a little bit victim to the male gaze, whereas the show itself is always so lauded for and, and like for being so hyper-feminist and being so un-male gaze, whatever the opposite of male gaze is, just like, you know, organically focused on the female perspective, which is, I'm sure, refreshing, you know? Um. I would like you to elaborate on how the movie is male gazy. I wouldn't say that the show isn't male gazy. I think the show had its fair. I mean, there's no reason for the Slayers to, and again, I just say this, I, this is not an accusatory statement, but like there have been plenty of times when like kind of like in superhero movies, like the female character has on her steel bra and her like a little brassiere or whatever. And that's what she's fighting in. There have been plenty of times where you've got slayers in skin tight clothing that are very revealing. And again, it's empowering because I can fight crime and vampires and whatever, however I want to. But I don't think it's fair to say that that show wasn't male gazy because I think it's certainly it had its moments. Well, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily a fair statement to just kind of blanket the fact that women wearing tight clothes and high heels automatically means we're looking at a male gaze situation. Because yeah. I think fe feminine women can not only be strong, but that power can come from their femininity. You know, p powerful because of, not in spite of how feminine they are. And I think Buffy TV or movie 
really encapsulate that one of the things that really like I really enjoyed at the end of it was when um Pike says like you're not like normal girls and Buffy's just like yes I am yeah. and then and then like her defense when uh Lothos holds the cross and the fire comes up he's like is this your defense and she's like no it's my keen fashion sense and she uses the hairspray and it's like it's when that marriage comes together that we see the power of her femininity and I think that's really important to kind of her heroine's journey and it's the power that comes from it and I think it's meant to really reconcile that spiritual idea of you don't have to be masculine. You don't have to be a smaller dude to be a hero. You can embrace your feminine and be the heroine. So I, I completely agree with you. I think that that's actually one of the things that makes Buffy as a character so to me strongly feminist is that this idea of her embracing her own identity and her own sexuality. Merrick's little speech when she's dying always kind of, to me, hits the nail on the head where he's like, you do you, you do this your way. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, I think you're yeah. completely right. And I know you and I, Katie, have often had dis agree to disagree moments regarding male gaze, because I think that in 1992, male gaze in film is, in my humble opinion, almost the norm. And uh, very rarely can you list films that don't suffer that. And if you're, if you're wondering what I mean, one of the best most profound things that I've ever seen to kind of capture that is if you look at the look at the early posters for the first couple of Marvel movies when all the characters are finally on the cover right we see very clearly delineated outlines and and poses of the females so that their breasts and their booties are in really yeah. sexualized view whereas and, yeah. and when the male castle opens in captain america and chris evans is shirtless and golden that isn't female gaze at all we're not doing both here at all <laughs> but again when you look at that poster none of the males are sexualized in that way none of them are butt forward to the camera none of them are i'm gonna show their their like cod piece you know well, what i mean like so, so what that's what saying is that there's an ingrained inherent tendency to look at hetero, how do heteronormative people look at these characters? How are they going to respond to this? And that's something that we're now aware of as being kind of normative in older films and trying to kind of, so you're right. I think in the Avengers movies, one of the things I credit them with is being very like, oh, we're gonna give eye candy for everybody. Cause when there's eye candy for everybody, I'm good with it. And honestly, I'll be the first one to say, I'd rather look at Scarlett Johansson any day or like Elizabeth Olsen <laughs> any day than most of the men in those films, because I do find them to be more beautiful. But at the end of the day, like, I, I think there is something to be said for the fact that like, I think you, and I'm going to have to defer to your judgment here, you guys, because you're right. I think there, this movie did maybe at times, and maybe it's fair to say, like, I'm sorry, but as someone who's just viewing season one, Xander's a fucking creep. Like, he doesn't easily take being friend-zoned. And, and, and to me, as someone who has no skin in the game, there are, like, one of the things I hate about Buffy, and, and, and again, I'm going to rave about how much I love the feminism of Buffy, but one of the things I hate about it is that she's still, oh, there's still always a guy. There's always gotta be that that romantic interest that that is really kind of like driving the, and again, I, I don't know this, this series well enough to say it. And I'm sorry, I know Xander's probably a very beloved character and I probably pissed off half our audience, but as someone who's just watching season one, I'm like, this kid's kind of a fucking creep. Like, so, but anyway, let's, let's get down to it. Let's talk, first of all, J Jackie, why this film for your birthday? For your birthday. For my birthday. Because it's your um, birthday. It is my birthday. So yeah, so this this is a very, very, very near and dear to my heart movie. In the little town I grew up in, we had a, a little mom and pop video store right around the corner from my house. It was across the street from our elementary school. 
And I remember seeing this movie, probably, I probably saw it in theaters when I went to the movie theater, or I'm sorry, when I went to the video store, you know, it was time to rent it. And they had, you know, all the promotional stuff out, you get the pig posters or whatever. And I remember, like, I had never done this before, but I walked up to the person behind the counter and I was like, hey, what do you do with those posters uh, when you change them out? I said, do you ever sell them to people? And they were like, no, but did, you know, if you want it, like, I'll put your name on it, just come back in, you know, whatever X amount of weeks. And, you know, if it's still here, you can have it. And I'm like, okay. So of course, you know, that day I'm riding my little bike, they have it, they take it down, roll it up, they give it to me. The Buffy poster was above my bed for the longest time. I remember the buying... one with like Luke Perry popping out behind her. Yeah. Yeah. He's like popping out behind her. <laughs> I bought the soundtrack and I had the soundtrack on oh. CD. Uh, at this time in my life, I was, and this might surprise some of our audience for the first 14 years of my life. No, I wouldn't say the first 14 years. I would say from, what was that? It's 10 years. So from ages three to 13, I was a cheerleader. Um, everybody <laughs> in my family was either a coach or on the football team, playing football, all my boy cousins. So from the time I was like a little mascot at three years old, just like shaking my pom-poms, I was a cheerleader. And I remember I was super excited because I learned the dance at the beginning of Buffy and <laughs> I would awesome. always do it. And I got my cheerleading coach that year to use that opening song that keep it coming for yeah. our halftime show. And she That's even incorporated some of the Buffy moves into wow. it. Wow. So yeah. Oh, it was, fantastic. Uh, so this, yeah, like I said, this is a movie that I have loved for 30 years now since I didn't even know that this was going to be the 30th year anniversary for Buffy, but here we go. It's just kind what of serendipitous. Yep. So for 30 so years, cool. I have loved this movie. This is one that I go Adorable. back to. I've, I've, I have it on VHS. I have it on Blu-ray. Like this is a movie that I have gone back to time and time again. I have always loved this. I got super excited a couple of years ago when Christy Swanson was at Monster Mania. And, you know, mm -hmm. I really don't care about getting celebrity autographs, but I definitely got close enough to be like, hey, Christy, I, love <laughs> <laughs> I think Buffy's awesome. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, I love this. And, and to be totally fair, like when I think Buffy, I honestly, Christy Swanson is the first for me. Like I, I, I you know, it's like it maybe is a millisecond, but I think Buffy I see Christy Swanson's Buffy. And then like two seconds later, it's like, oh, and Sarah Michelle Gellar too. That's interesting. I, Cause you're yeah. a big fan of the series. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I was, it, I'm kind of floored to hear you say that. So when I was doing my research, I saw a, they're rebooting Buffy. Is that true? They've been trying to yeah. for a very long time. Wow. Just like um, they did with Charmed. Like they're yeah. like, they're take, they did it to Roswell. They're taking well, all the shows from like the nineties and they're like, Hey, let's, make it different and well, make it and more whatever. I would say theoretically, I mean, you know, Buffy is in the long line of Slayers and the end of season seven, I'm not going to reveal anything because I know Marissa, you haven't seen it, but would lend itself to this idea mm -hmm. of a, a new coming of age Slayer story right. in a very good way. I think it would be awesome if they could get Sarah Michelle Gellar to come back as OG because she's the legend. Um, but you know, I mean, those are my hopeful wishes, but it has been in development hell, just yeah. Yeah. really not being able to pull it off. And Katie, have um, you, I don't really care either way. Have you heard of or read in every generation? I have it, but I've never read it. Okay. Um, but I really like, I, as soon as I saw that it existed, I picked it right. up and I just, I, it's like, I have it. It's still in the slipcover. I'm very like, it's like, I'm protective of it. 
Yeah. I, I have um, to say, it's not even I, something like, it's not rare. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I started it. I actually kind of gave up on chapter 10. Um, I oh, personally really? didn't like the story, but the author Kendara Blake obviously loved the series. And it oh. is very apparent that like, she took the series, she cradled it. She loved it. She nurtured it and then created this art from it. So it's like, I have so much appreciation and thankfulness that like she took the source material there and like Uh there's so many references and it's so cool unfortunately I just was not a big fan of the writing or the story so I kind of went you know what not for me but hopefully maybe you'll like it yeah well I'm I'm kind I kind of fall into a very purist category of I I love the movie I love the show um I'll read season eight um, I'm interested in reading the Boom uh, comic. Uh, well, I think it's just called Hellmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like an Angel series, a Buffy series, and it like comes together at this point where Drusilla is trying to open the Hellmouth. And it's a completely different story, but like it comes together where Angel and Buffy meet for the first time at this moment. Mm-hmm. And um, it seemed like it just seems very interesting. It's the only time I've been interested in reading the extended Buffy verse. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, I just, it's like, I love it. It's dear to my heart. I, it, it was there for me at a time growing up uh, where it was just everything really felt real and personal and that kind of thing. Like, I mean, to the, your point about Xander, Marissa, like, you know, having the guy who you is a friend, but is kind of a creep because he likes you and you don't really know what to do with that. And you, you know, you're trying not to hurt his feelings because you like him as a friend and he gets creepy because of it. But then like after events happen, you end up being even better friends because of it. And like all, all all of the little points, even though super, you know, metaphored into the supernatural really felt great. And it was also really wonderful to see that strong character, you know, just the way she was and knowing that you had, you could do, yeah, both be, be the hero, be strong, be, you know, everything go, go against the grain of what society is telling you to be, but also, you know, if you want to go out for cheerleading, go out for cheerleading. If you want to dress up for the dance, dress up for the dance, like, you know, the traditional and the against the grain coming together, it really felt like she spoke to something that was really important to me at that time. And I think a lot of girls who watch the show too, which is why I love her so much. And then Chrissy Swanson's is just that it's kind of like a culmination bite-sized version of that. And, um, and it's kind of funny. I was actually watching it and I was thinking Buffy is pre-share from Clueless. He's a little she's bit. share for the horror. That valley girl. Yeah, yeah. That like valley he's, girl. She's dumb and in crowd in the beginning. She recognizes her potential for a smart, from a smart for older better, man. Right. Yeah, Merrick. Right. Yeah. And then she becomes uncool because she has to find herself in that uncoolness, but then becomes cool because of it. And she also pretends to be socially conscious because the That's, ozone guys, yeah, we got to get rid of that. <laughs> No true. That's actually a really good metaphor. You're right. That, that's a great parallel. I tell you what, I would be very amused to watch the two of you have to tolerate like a Gen Zer uh, new Slayer because she would be like a TikTok in like totally new vernacular. You two would be so thoroughly annoyed by her, and it would be delightful for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I let's just put- I would be afraid that they'd make her like they'd re- they'd reduce the femininity part of it because it's so important to that. I think that balance is really important to what her journey is and. And they'd try to make her like just Captain Marvel where I'm angry and mannish and I can beat everybody up. And like, it's, it's well, not I think fun when there's no journey with it. Right. But maybe that is the new femininity. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. That's just rejecting millennia of femininity. Yeah, that's I don't all know. That, that doesn't feel like that. That I think I agree. Like that's like the whole thing with Buffy is that she is the best of both worlds. She is that tough. I'll kick your ass, beat you up, but I'm going to do it in a really pink, pink, like a pretty pink skirt with glitter. Like that's so you like you guys the are saying that if she was if if Buffy has to like look at like this is fascinating. Okay, let's go down this road. So the new Buffy has to be what then to be a Buffy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that I you think she has, like, like Find Katie power said. in her own femininity. Yeah, but what if her femininity isn't world. that? Like, isn't the definition you two are proposing? Like, you're saying Captain What Captain definition Marvel's am I not, proposing of femininity? That Captain Marvel was not that. Enough with existential uh, questions <laughs> that have no real answer. Let's get to the fun stuff. Woohoo! So I love the nostalgia of this movie because I don't <laughs> know, I'm sure you guys noticed, but, and this is maybe my fat ass, but- the bag of Doritos light that, that her boyfriend was eating because when has <laughs> Doritos light been a thing? And also Buffy drinking clearly Canadian because I know that fucking bottle because I drank I, me some- I don't know. Canadian. What's clearly Canadian? What is clearly Canadian? What? You guys don't know what clearly Canadian is? No. So no. clearly Canadian is basically seltzer. It was flavored, flavored sparkling water that like, I mean, they sold- So it like LaCroix like before LaCroix? The yeah, and the I remember there was like blackberry, <laughs> raspberry, strawberry. There was like a very unique, like teardrop shaped bottle. The blackberry clearly Canadian was so fucking good. Like I literally would go get one like every day during the summer. We had a Cumberland Farms convenience store, oddly enough, right next to where my little VHS or my little uh, video store was. And that stuff was my jam. Apparently you can <laughs> still get it on the internet. Um, Like you can buy it by the case, but- clearly oh my god it's like uh, honestly like i think if i drank it today it would probably be like so sickeningly sweet i don't know i just remembered as a kid i fucking loved it like to me it was like just clear fruit soda it was so good and when i saw her drinking that like i don't know like there's just like little things i wanted every one of buffy's outfits like i wanted all of her spandex stuff i did Mm -hmm. i wanted Every, I wanted to be her. I would wear like little bandanas because she wore one when she was working out once. Like, you know how Punky Brewster had like the bandana around the leg? Like yeah. Buffy did the one around the neck. And like, I had to be like Buffy. Never wanted to go blonde. I was okay with my dark hair, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like to me, like there was just, I loved the language. Like I uh, loved how she spoke. I thought it was so adult. Can we take a moment to, to point out that both in this and Hocus Pocus, boobs are yabos. That's true. And I think, I think we should bring that back. Like well, you need to start the, my yabos. Yeah. yeah I'm going to start referring to them as my yabos. Triangle, triangle, triangle yabos. yabos. <laughs> so now, one of the criticisms this film gets, and I'm always shocked by, because is the whole blend of horror comedy. I personally adore the humor of this film. I think the tone of it is so just delightful. Like for lack of a better term, I crack up at all. Like literally one of my favorite scenes, and this is probably because I work in schools for too long and I'm now on an admin path, but at the end where he's like, detention, detention, like it cracks me up every time. Fucking Paul Rubens. It's just just lined paper. I love it. Detention. And then the one kid he gives like six to, we all have that one kid we'd give six to. Yeah, Stephen um, Root is is wonderful. Hilarious. All, yes. all of them. Like Joss Whedon, I get it. You create something, you think you are going to get a certain product, it completely changes. I don't blame him for getting pissed and walking away. But kind of like how Beetlejuice was originally supposed to be an actual scary movie. And then mm-hmm. what we got after some changes was Beetlejuice. 
it's like I don't know that I'd want it any other way I'm a big fan of the horror comedy and this yes this it's just it's so witty it's so well done like this is made for that for the audience of like this is for like the 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 14 to 21 14 to 24 kind of audience yeah and I think it's dare I say it's very meta and self-aware before that was cool like I I feel like one of the things that this film has lasting power for me and you guys are not going to be shocked that I'm like jumping to Carol Clover here and my women in chainsaws but I mean I love that the blonde typical foil to the final girl is is the protagonist and is the ultimate you know what I mean like I thought it was so aware like the choices that are made to me are so specific and like even what you just said Jackie that was beautiful about how much you used to relate to her because as a girl who didn't relate to her I was sitting there in like flannel shirts and oversized jeans so like I never was like oh I wish I could dress like Buffy and I still adored the feminism of it the comedy of it just the good vampires you know like I I loved everything about it so I agree with you I think it was self-aware and very careful in its decisions in all the best ways in my opinion one of my favorite examples of the feminism in this movie is how Buffy does not pad any of the men in her life she doesn't pad their feelings my favorite moment is at the end the gymnasium is you know awry with vampire bodies and just whatever and Pike was like oh my god did I do all of this and she was like no and he's like did you do all of this she's like yeah so it was me yeah. like yes did he no i can't even say i was gonna say did pike aid in the defeat of lothos no not at all you did no, he's very like the, and like the fact, yeah the fact that all of the events happened and pike didn't need to be there yes he did bring some weapons and that was helpful in like the little you know fight here and there but at the end when it came down to the main fight yeah. Mike didn't need to be there. And that That's was fantastic fair. that it was like, there was no, we did not need to rely on the man. On the man to agree. In any way, shape or form. Like Buffy was nope. like, cool, I got this flag. I'm going to yeah. do the thing. I'm going to break a chair. Boom. Yep. Yep. It was all her. Yeah. Although I yep. will say, man, did Pike awaken something in me, something else in me that oh, I won't yeah, talk yeah. about. Well, on there. well <laughs> I actually have a really, I, I wrote a really important question for Jackie and Marissa, you can feel free to also uh, participate in it, but um, it's Mary Boff Kill. Uh, Luke Perry, David Arquette, Paul Rubens in this movie. Um, I marry Luke Perry. This was what I was excited about. <laughs> I'm going to fuck Paul Rubens. And I'm going to kill Benny. I'm going to kill Benny. <laughs> deep, you gotta deep kill seated Benny. love for Paul Rubens. I'll fuck him. But I'm marrying, I'm marrying Luke Perry. Yeah. 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 David Is that Arquette, your choice too, Candy? That's your, that's your <sighs> thing, Kim? What? I see, I don't know, because Paul Rubens has in this movie has the expectation that I could possibly get eternal life with the marrying. Yeah. Right. I, I There's the potential for that. But Luke Perry is is tasty. Yeah, uh, David so Arquette tasty. dies. Yeah. No, we <laughs> David Arquette dies. Well, okay. Luke Perry, can, can, I, can I like pre goatee, post goatee this? Yes. It's important. It's important. The flavor I will saver. marry him only without soul patch. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll marry yeah. Rubens. I think that's in your prenup, is that he has to shame? Yeah, it, it is. He's it got really it. is. Um, no I'm soul gonna, patch is yeah, me. I think I'm shagging Betty, you guys, and then killing Paul Rubens. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to kill like, Paul Rubens. That was a swerve. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. To, to kill Paul Rubens <laughs> is the most entertaining part of this whole movie. Well, that's, like, I think that's, I want that death, right? 
is the greatest scene of the whole movie. I hope I die like totally that. improvised. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh God, he's yeah, he improvised it. Yeah, yeah. The part where he kicks the wall gets that's me the, every that's my favorite time. Part. When that's my favorite I part. Hurt when I, when I walk into a door, which is inevitably every day, there have been times where I'm like, I walk past something, I hit myself, and I'm like, ow. Uh, 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 uh. It's, it's the absolute, hist- I have literally laughed out loud every single time I've seen that part. Because it's just, and then if you watch the post credit scene with him oh, dying mm, a little bit more. Continuing to die. It's yes. so funny. Oh my God. And I love, I love the post credit scene when they were talking, doing all the news interviews. Mm-hmm. And and when Jenny is with Buffy's ex-boyfriend, oh, I forget his name all of a sudden. And she's like, I can't believe I let you do that to me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like all of them, like the principal in that. That's so great. <laughs> like, and I, I like love that. I don't know if they're on drugs or anything. I always just think, unfortunately, I go back to the TV show with Principal Snyder and like PCP, their kids on PCP. Like, <laughs> Not unlike the TV or it's show. A gang. To to, ah. to bounce to the TV show real quick. I know for the longest time, you know, are you on Team Angel? Are you on Team Spike? Spike? Are you on, you know, whatever? From moment one, I've been on Team Giles. And honestly, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Giles has been the hottest thing in in the Buffy verse since the beginning. I don't care. Fight me. Do you hear him sing and play acoustic guitar? Fight it. So good. We so got good. to warn Buffy. Oh God, the musical episode just makes me so happy. The, it, the, the part where he's singing in um, a Restless, when mm-hmm. he's on stage and he's singing about what happens. Please don't bleed on my couch. I just had it steam cleaned. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. Oh, it's so, yeah, no. I. But that being said, I am always the biggest fan of the Watchers. Not that I want to do anything sexual with... Donald Sutherland, Sutherland. Oh, but Merrick. Merrick is one of my favorites. I love no, Merrick. My favorite it. moment, my favorite <laughs> moment where it gets to me, it gets slightly spicy was when he was trying to convince her that she is the slayer. And he's like right before he throws the knife when he was like, just one more thing. And he kind of does this with his little mustache where he's mm-hmm. like one more thing. And he throws the knife at her. I was like, okay, that was a little hot. That, ah, was, yeah. that was a little hot. I also <laughs> love that he I- plays a watcher. And then, well, not the end then, but prior to that, when his son is a vampire in Lost Boys, that's just fun. Yeah. That we have the whole watcher vampire, keep it in the family. Yeah. I know. I feel bad. It probably was because he was a watcher that, you know, Kiefer that, got yeah. targeted or David. David. Really. Yeah. David probably um, got targeted because his dad's a watcher. It's, you know, I know. I mean, I wanted, wanted if I was a vampire, thing. I would go for the watcher's <laughs> kids if they had them for sure. No, I, I love <laughs> Donald Sutherland's performance he him as yeah. Merrick like it just it sets the bar for what the watcher is supposed to be and I do like really? there's eventually a female watcher right well yeah but not she, gonna ruin that for you uh, I mean there is of course she winds up being a bad guy right like I'm sure that's the big twist so <laughs> anyway uh yeah uh no but what uh, again another difference in this movie which it makes sense because this is very fantasy-based movie but the watcher in this movie dies and is born again and is reincarnated every time with the knowledge that he's going to be a watcher that's yes. not something that's carried over to the show and like there's no. several watchers and like there's the whole watchers council there's qu- quite a many differences but i <laughs> really do like the, i like the like the mythology of the watcher in uh-huh. in the movie well, i think that's pretty cool that like he just he comes back as a different person but he's still 
he's still Merrick in every version. And, and one thing I always thought was really interesting, and they touch on this in the show, but kind of not like as, as much, like they don't really discuss it, but I find it interesting that a lot of potentials get found and trained with watchers from very young age. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I mean, the idea even in the, the movie, and it, it is carried from the movie to the TV show, is that Merritt got to her too late. Like he'd been, mm-hmm. he couldn't find her. He, he had found all the other ones when they were younger and was able to train them and get them up to speed on where they needed to be. And I think it's so amazing. And it's kind of this great metaphor for how we grow up and almost a better coming of age story, this kind of idea of, um, you know, if we don't know who we are, then as individuals, then we can't embrace the potential that we have within ourselves. So it's almost like the girls that were trained from a very young age and only ever knew to be slayers, they couldn't face Lothos. But the girl who had found herself and had come into her own as her own person, who then found out she was a slayer, was able to marry those two things into the the one that would finally defeat him. And I find that so poetic. And that's something that I think makes Buffy the legendary slayer. She's not the one who was pecked at birth like Kendra or some of the other potentials we see later. Um, She was somebody, she didn't have a watcher growing up. So having that ability to find her, her own identity before having to be the slayer means she gets to be both. And that makes her more powerful. And that's, I agree with you. I think that's definitely one of the most beautiful thematic threads of all this for me is this idea of like these, both the film and the series are literally centered around what most people would be dismissive of, which is like adolescent angst and Mm -hmm. specifically from a female lens. And, and to me, I love that she is so you're right I love that Merrick kind of like in his dying speech is like you do you because he realizes that he realizes that her strength lies in who she is and like she's never like it's never minimized like there's such significance to the arc of her finding herself in this story because you're right like she very much outgrows the assholes around her and in doing Uh so becomes a better person and more strong and self-realized person. And like, I just love, even in the the very limited amount of the episodes of the series that I've watched, I I definitely think that there's something really beautiful about looking at the lens of like a teen girl and being like, this is so important because it is going to frame who you are and who you become. And you're right. I think it's interesting that the ones who were from birth are never nearly as strong as as, as Buffy is as a character. I was watching a TED talk um, a while back and it was talking about the psychology of the idea of coming of age and how there is this like, you know, once the child kind of starts socializing more and becoming, taking on more aspects of their identity from their peers rather than their parents, um, they, they start to, you know, adopt those things that are around them. And this is like ages, like, you know, puberty through about 16 to 18, I think it is. And then around 16 to 18, that psychology starts getting fractured because like you were saying, they start sloughing off those things that they don't think are actually, so it's like they have to ingest all of these pieces of identity so they know which ones to get rid of. And then it isn't until you're about 2022, 20, 23 that you're fully formed as the person that you're like meant to be, so to speak. And so when I think that's such an important aspect of the coming of age is that these these important life moments being chosen as a slayer or, you know, more real things um, all come at this time because they have to come in. So that way, when you grow it up, you know, by the end of the series, Buffy's 22, she's finally, she's fully formed at that point. And it takes her that long. It takes her seven seasons and a movie if we're pretending like it's canon 
to fully form and she's never fully formed. She's cookie dough. She just needs to be baked. Mm-hmm. And you'll get that when you watch the finale. <laughs> now, am I fair to say that in the series, uh, a lot of her, Buffy faces a lot of traumas that maybe inform her journey too? Because um, that's something that, because that's something that I think I, I, I hesitated. I think why I hesitate so much with Buffy is because my fear as watching it as a, you know, a 40 year old mother of two tween teen, now teen daughters and Mm -hmm. someone who is in what I consider to be a kind of post, hopefully whatever, you know, like as far as film, film critique goes, whatever stage of my evolution I'm in, I'm worried that I'm just going to hate and not see it for the what the feminism it was at the time because I'd be looking at it with today's you know like it'd be hard for me to be like oh she should totally stay with Spike after he rapes or you know what I mean like I think I would have a lot of really uh, mixed feelings and and that's I think why I I I think I'm going to choose to kind of let it slide because I don't want to ruin what I think was a very powerful series for so many people especially particularly women you know so it's like it's it's a weird it's a weird interesting thing with that whole thing because I'm worried you're right one of the things I worry the most about with before Buffy both in the movie and in the show is that she is still ultimately having her life dictated by men and the fucking terrible things they they enact upon her or make her face you know well, and I think that's the most important thing to recognize about the series. And one of the re- is like, yes, like th- there are the moments in the stories and you really do see her stand up for herself. There are many episodes where she really does shirk that, that patriarchal, you know, those things that are dictating her. And there are really great moments where she's overcoming that. And then there are the moments where she really does feel impeded by it. But kind of like what I was saying before is it's, it's weird because you take it as part of the journey and it's not like trying to tell you anything or moralize you on anything. It's just kind of the, this is the story that is being told and you recognize that she's not fully formed. She's not trying to give you a moral yet until the show ends. And it isn't until you get the full story that she is, she is fully formed and the, the story is fully formed. Because when you take it in just pieces and you look at it, you can absolutely say, oh, this is super problematic. And this is, oh, this is super empowering. I think all of those things exist because they do exist in real life. And it's about taking the good with the bad and finding your way through it. So the journey is really important. If I can give any sort of, you know, thoughts to yeah. your viewing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I just, I mean, it, there's no, I, I would feel like it would be remiss of me as the token, you know, feminist part of the Jersey Bulls to not say that at the end of the day, it's still a girl whose powers are dictated by older white men. Like, I think it would be, it would be, it would be wrong of me to at least not take that moment to acknowledge that Buffy without the Watchers, it, it doesn't even become Buffy. And to me, that's, that's the fundamental I guess the crux of like, I hate that trauma and victimhood and so much of her identity has to be dictated by that. You know what I mean? Like when you talked about that journey, it was so beautiful. You're right. I I agree with you. I just, you know, taking just this film, even if we can, you know, like, it's just like, meh, that's the part that the one thing I'm like, meh. Can I, can I say there is one thing that I'm super happy did not carry over into the TV show. And that's the period cramp alarm system. Like if there was anything if that only. is like, <laughs> like I, I, if anything, I will give to you, Marissa, as being oh, super you. problematic and horrible in the movie. It's like, really? That's the only one you're going to get me. Cramps. <laughs> At right now in this moment before thinking over everything we've discussed that is a little, funny as hell but yeah. i just think it's crazy you know me i will always go back to 
you don't have to watch everything. You don't have to like everything. Like it's okay to never watch any more Buffy. Like you're not, yeah, you know. No, I'm not you know looking I mean? like for like. I just, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like I, what I've been experiencing thus far in my watches has not been. I don't want to shit so on hang your it up. You know what I mean? No, I'm curious because yeah. I do want to keep going, but I and and I might, I might never get through it. But again, like I think, and that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reconcile. Like I remember watching the show when it first came out when I was younger and thinking it was so fucking cool. So I'm like, I, it's it's just been an interesting journey of being like, what has changed so drastically? that I see yeah. so much that I take issue it, with, you know? We just, and we it, got older. We become, yeah. <laughs> we're not just aware of so and, and No, I just mean we become more aware of like no, the rights and the wrongs and yeah, we yeah, can see true. problematic yeah. things in it now. It's like when, it's like watching Full House now. You're like, why is this so not funny? But when I was a kid, I fucking knee slapped all day at this shit. Like, <laughs> it's just, you do, you just evolve, you know? I, I, I recently wrote a piece because um, it's like the 25th year of the anniversary of the TV show. And like the first season, um, I think it was in February or March. Um, but uh, I, I, when I was thinking back, I just kind of wrote a love letter to everything I love about it. And I think and I, a, a big theme of what I wrote was that Buffy always found me at the right time uh, because I watched seasons one through five when I was younger and more like preteen teen. Um, and then I didn't watch season six until I was in college. And I, season six is a much darker, much older, much more adult show. And so season seven kind of marries those two things. Um, But I think that if I had watched season six when I was the age when it first came out, I would have been much more disconnected from it and probably would feel a lot less love for it, except for the musical episode, because who doesn't love that? Um, But I do think there is this kind of growing up with Buffy that makes her so near and dear to me, whether it like the the movie for sure, the TV show, definitely. and so, yeah, it might be a situation, unfortunately, where you just don't love it as much as we do. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think I just, like I said, I think I just didn't, I missed the boat. And so, and that's, it's important to me to not kind of like view it with my modern lens, I guess is what I'm trying to say and, and, and judge it for that, because I think it's important. What's more important is your guy's story with it, is, is that's yeah. fair. You know, like I just, yeah. Or even mm. if you just, you know, not for nothing, but just avoid some of the episodes like honestly like look up like what are the 10 funniest Buffy episodes or like yeah the like 10 most important like- do it that way just cherry yeah. pick the fun ones because uh-huh. like definitely any of the Halloween episodes oh I love the Halloween episodes I've seen like two or three of those yeah yeah like that. definitely the Halloween yeah. definitely no I'm, um, yeah I'm, I'm any not of trying the ones to take where, any power away from the series I really yeah, any of the ones where reality is somehow shifted like yeah. Um, um, Doppelgangland is good. Doppelgangland's amazing. Uh, Rosa is Tabula Rosa, ama- yeah, yeah. That like any any of the alternate um, oh, shifting uh, ones. Superstar, you gotta <gasps> watch Superstar. Oh my god, I love Jonathan so much. Jonathan is so amazing. I did oh, yeah, not know like- that he created Empire. P.S. <laughs> like uh, Danny Strong created the show Empire. What? Yes. Jonathan is such a major yeah. character oh, that gets interwoven yeah. through many seasons. Oh, yeah, and I would say uh, Earshot is a really poignant mm-hmm. episode. It's not Ooh. funny, but it's very, like, it's it's good. It's good teen after-school drama. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. yeah. We, we should probably do, we should put a list together for of, like yeah. some of the- <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, some of our skip, favorites. Skip yeah. Wild at Heart. Skip the one with the ghost children where Buffy and Riley have to, like, all the I, time. I've never, I've never liked Riley. I've never Riley sucks. He was like the tool bag one, right? Yeah, he's like that's the tool military bag. boyfriend. That's no, the military no boyfriend. Yeah. 
tool bag. That's a wonderful. He, to me, he just he literally just struck me as a tool yeah. bag when I when I did watch one episode. I was like, who is this tool? Like, I actually season four, like her first year Sorry. of college. That might be like my least favorite season. Like season yeah. four is is probably- but it has some of the best arguable episodes. Mm. Like hush. Mm. See, this all makes me want to watch it more. Yeah, no, Hush is amazing. Well, you know, we'll put together like our, we'll look at the seasons and like maybe pick like two or three from every season that like we think you need to watch. Yeah. And then like, it'll be all the good stuff. Um, Also, fun fact about the movie, you know, Seth Green appears for like three seconds as a vampire later to return as Oz in the TV show. I I had that thought. I was like, huh, he's in the, he's the werewolf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and he's like the- it's like literally a snap, like blink and you'll miss it. But he's in it. Yeah, we get Ben Affleck uncredited in the movie. We get yep. um, Oscar winner Ben Affleck and Oscar winner Hillary Swank <laughs> in her debut. Sasha Jensen of oh, Halloween Hillary. Four fame as the shitty boyfriend. All I ever think of with Hillary Swank <laughs> is the episode of The Office where they spend the entire episode arguing over whether or not Hillary Swank is hot, and it's <laughs> the fucking most fucked up but hilarious thing in the world. Um, I'm still jury's still out on that. I vote hot. Um, you know, one thing that you're probably gonna be surprised I love about this film that is always like little. 12 year old marissa's favorite is when they're dancing he's like oh i guess you want to lead and she's like no and he's like yeah me neither i love i actually really love that like i I adore Mm -hmm. it like it's one of my favorite besides paul rubin's epic death um and Mm -hmm. i was always a little secretly afraid of the scene in like where the float so i thought it was like a carnival i'm never sure of what that is when she first me oh like that's the the parade storage like the parade storage it's like creepy yeah it is oh no it's that's (laughs) That's a very creepy moment. I don't know uh, why. I like how the vampires in this movie, um, they have the same affliction that the foot from Ninja Turtles have of when you're in a fight <laughs> and there's more than one vampire, they just sit back and they wait their turn before they fight you like this. <laughs> like that happened yeah. on more than one occasion. If oh there yeah, was where a they just vampires, do this, like the they play. sit yeah. and wait and just kind of like, ready? For, for audio ready? listeners ready? out there, we have our hands up and we're pulsing like yeah, jazz hands. hands. They attack one at a time. They patiently wait their turn good manners i really yeah, thought that's manners. how you do it like when if i'm ever in a fight with a group i intend to just stand here and put my hands up and bop yeah. up and down quietly yeah. and wait for my turn to get my ass if in. i'm gonna be in a group I'm fight you're yes, gonna be wait your turn or it's a dance off i will also say i love how the fastest way from point a to point b is tumbling and never just running no um this movie no, almost made me no. want to be a cheerleader yeah <laughs> hey Chad cheerleading is a skill Chad pointed that out. Skill, yes. uh, If you are a nerd that watches video game speedruns, then you know that that is the quickest way because (laughs) there are like Zelda speedruns with Ocarina of Time where to get to the fastest point, he just tumbles the whole time. So maybe I should start tumbling everywhere and see how I go. Having just done a wrestling tryout where you have to tumble over your shoulder, it is not fun. Oh no. <laughs> blows my mind that never changes in society and i'm curious to see if it ever is deconstructed is high school politics of like it always blows my mind that like the group the core group from like the breakfast club and then in this film like the jockey group all that stuff like how are these all still tropes that exist and is society just perpetuating like i i just i wish we lived in a world where it wasn't like the jocks and then the, the like the, their valley girl girlfriend slash cheerleader girls the nerdy kids the weird outlaw kids like pike and benny um like it just blows my mind that 40 years later 50 years later nothing changes in that, in that i like how you're giving the eddie speech right now 
when he stands up in the cafeteria and he's like, and the guys who throw balls into laundry baskets. Yeah, and right. Like, and it's none of it. That's changes. just as uncool yeah. as and us. Eddie's okay. just as dorky, right? And Eddie fits yeah. so beautifully into. Although I did like the metal, the mashup of the heavy metal kid with the D and D kid because I'm not sure the D and D kids were ever that hardcore with their music, but I don't know. I oh, wasn't either. D and D and metal totally overlap. Yeah which is yeah. pretty cool there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy metal there's a whole fantasy metal genre i mean wow, check out dragon force pretty dorky yeah. <laughs> yeah. i have a i have a workout playlist that is exclusively fantasy metal fantasy because i want to listen to dragons yeah, and six string guitars while yeah. i'm working out the closest <laughs> i get to to fantasy with my rock is led zeppelin <laughs> Jimmy Page, he bought Aleister Crowley's castle in That's Scotland. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, if you listen to, to Led Zeppelin, half their lyrics reference like Lord of the Rings and like all kinds of geeky stuff. Yeah. Um, he literally, like literally entire songs are written about Lord of the Rings. For oh time. yeah. One last thing on Led Zeppelin. Uh, I oh. recommend like just Google um, backward masking stairway to heaven and listen to the like backward recording of him Ooh. like hailing Satan, quote unquote. It's that really choppy. It's silly, that's but it sounds just, super fun. I'll it exists on YouTube. So yeah, <laughs> I'm in. Um, Jackie, anything else on your list? Just like this is super. I would say that this is super nostalgia trip for me because it is. But also at the same time, I watch this movie like three times a year, yeah. so it's just very familiar. Like this is this is comfort food. This is mashed potatoes and gravy for me. This is that's very fair. much my comfort food. I felt very comforted in my watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something that just gets put on. And there's just so many great. I, oh, I do have one very important note, and it is because the soundtrack is amazing. Um, I mean, the soundtrack is super good, but if you have the Blu ray release of it, the song in the scene where Pike is fleeing the vampires is no longer Zap City, and it trips me out. Wait, they no, changed the song? They changed the song. It's not huh. the same song as That's the previous really releases random. that I've seen. Okay. And, yeah. Wonder why. Like, maybe they didn't have the rights or something. They didn't see anything. Yeah, maybe they didn't have the rights for the redistribution, yeah. but it was like the Blu-ray does not have the right song from the huh. original. Interesting. There's, there, the soundtrack is so good. Susanna Hoff does a cover of an Oingo Boingo song. The Divinals Susanna. have a really good song. Fucking Toad the Wet Sprocket. I want to dance uh, to that I want to dance to that. Uh, like in my like wedding. Throw I want to dance to and play that song. I loved that song. Like I would put that song on and cry about boys. Like that Aww. Toad the Wet Sprocket song is so pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah. Sadly, if you go on Spotify, like they have the soundtrack on Spotify, but there's and actually like a couple of the songs are no longer available on Spotify. I don't know yeah. if by from the rights, if the artist pulled it or, or whatever, oh, no. but sadly there, there are a couple of songs. It has them listed. You just can't play them. But, um, but yeah, really, really fun soundtrack. Like that opening, that opening song is fucking CNC Music Factory. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking 1992 CNC Music Factory coming in hot with a cheerleading number like that. I'm so excited. Uh, oh, I mean, good for CNC. That, that's exactly where they should have been. My last note is just, can we all have basketball coaches that are that positive? <laughs> that's it. I'd like to think I'm that positive of a basketball. Are you? I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, I was curious. My team does count <laughs> as well, too. So it's yeah. like, I'm always like, yeah. guys, Marissa is definitely, uh, you know, get out there, have fun, make good choices. Right. Just, <laughs> make good choices. I, are you smiling? Are you having fun? Yeah. I got orange slices <laughs> yeah. right over here. Need some energy. I do bring snacks. I always bring you snacks. Know. I know. I know. That is, God, you, you are. 
I she love is. that about you. I love it. Well, I think that's really in all of my coaching gigs. That's what I bring to the table is that I'm just super positive and nice, no matter how we do. <laughs> <laughs> also, every once in a while, I get mad just once in a while. Well, Jackie, as always, I have adored celebrating your birthday. Katie, thank you so, so much for joining us for today's episode. Tell us where we can find some more Katie Musings. Uh, Katie Musings, well, Horror Geek Life is uh, where I will be. Tw- I'm usually twice a month. I got a retro out. Last month was the fun Italian jello de- depth dive. But I also want to wish Jackie the happiest of happy birthdays. Thank um, and thank you so much for having me on this uh, Buffy dive. I we love needed, it. I will we never not talk expert. about it. Uh, is there a word for that? <laughs> Can you guys tell me what the word is for what? a Buffy expert? There's got to be like, like I an think ex- it's like- just Buffy expert. No, there's a word. You Sorry. guys are, don't play bashful with me now. There's a word for this. Just B- like Buffy X-Files file. fans were like. <laughs> a buffer, we are the watchers. We a are the watchers. or something. Wait. Like something geeky. I'm trying to think, and I may <laughs> be wrong, but Katie, I think you are the first guest to make a double appearance on a birthday episode. <gasps> because you and yeah, Zach have done a birthday episode before. Yes. Was, the only other person I can think of is Matt Kelly would have been, but I don't know if Matt Kelly has been on more than one birthday episode. So I've been on special. more than one birthday episode. You've been on everyone, silly Billy. I, but no, Katie, I think that you have the, I think you have the honor of being oh. our first. What a well-deserved, yeah, you I think are so. one I, think, I, I, I might be so wrong, much. but I think you have the honor of being the first double birthday guest. <sighs> Yeah, and that's so get, toasty. Let's get real crazy. Now you have to be on my birthday episode too. Then you yeah. could be like, uh, you know, just say the name, just say the word, just say the word. And I'm going to make you do um super like movies that Jack, uh, for my birthday episode, we're doing uh elevated horror just to make Jackie bad. Because <laughs> apparently <laughs> that's what Jackie. best friends, apparently that's what best friends do to each other. They purposely <laughs> make you miserable. It's my birthday. Bogus. <laughs> so bogus. My birthday, but I want to make As you miserable. What's this? What's your sitch? <laughs> you're so you're so guys. Five let's eat ago. some bogus corn and oh watch some elevated horror. I would cry. Katie, thank you so so much for joining us for my birthday episode. Everybody, I hope you had a good time. Go out, get some cupcakes, eat some cupcakes because it's my motherfucking birthday. And don't forget to check us out on social media or your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Jersey Ghouls. You can find our podcast, our blog, contact information, and all sorts of fun stuff on our website, jerseyghouls.com. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So what you want to do is keep it coming. listening to the Geekscape Network.